0: Education Committee Chair of PAMA, the Performing Arts Medicine Association, Dr Kat Cottrell is with me this week. Kat is a pianist, flautist and percussionist turned GP and now cares for performing artists at the Musician's Clinics of Canada, supporting them with both mental and physical challenges related to their profession. Kat is here to discuss PAMA and is bringing us news of the PAMAthon, a free 24-hour event kicking off at 9am BST on the 9th of September.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dr Kat Cottrell, welcome to the Singing Teachers Talk podcast. And are you ready for the PAMA extravaganza, which is due to take place
1: in just three days' time? I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here with you today, Alexa. So thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure.
0: This Pamathon is a free 24-hour event starting at 9 a.m. BST on the 9th of September. What mission is driving this event and who is it for?
1: So this mission really arose from uh, an event that we had in fall of 2022, which was a webinar called Around the World in Performing Arts Medicine. And highlighted, I think at that time, about 12 different countries in the work that was happening there. And it was just two hours. And the energy and enthusiasm that was built from this was so huge that I had a crazy idea sometime shortly afterwards that how about we blew this up and did a whole 24-hour gathering. So the Pamathon is a 24-hour virtual gathering that's free, really with a mission to make sure that anyone, anywhere in the world, whatever time zone, whatever your financial situation you can come join us be part of the community of performing arts medicine. And that includes educators, allied health professionals, physicians, kind of anyone that you think of in a performing arts circle of care from educators to healthcare providers to bring us all together and see how we can improve the situation in the world for performing artists around the world.
0: So as singing teachers and vocal coaches, will we also benefit from attending?
1: 100%. So PAMA as an organization, the Performing Arts Mentor Association really believes that we can't help performers unless we include everyone. And that includes the people that performers spend the most time with, which is singing teachers or teachers of their performing arts or the vocal coaches or everyone is, is essential to that team, which is why we're putting on this event to get everyone around the same table so we can all learn from each other. Um, so yeah, Absolutely. Yes, that's what we like to hear.
0: And what can we expect from the event and what sort of topics are going to be discussed?
1: So the event's really been designed to be a broad range of different experiences. So I'll go through some of the highlights, I think, most relevant to to those that will be listening today. But um, we have, we open with a concert, so a participant concert, because ultimately this organisation is made up of performers Um, that either do other things or just advocates and performers. Um, We also have talks where, you know, one or two people will be just leading that. We have panels, which are international in nature. We have interactive sessions, which we'll talk about a bit more. And then we also have a movie night. I think, yeah, UK time, it is called movie night. I've named it different things depending on where it falls in the world. So it's, it's really a whole host of things but lots of opportunity for people to get involved. Even those that are just clicking on the link, signing up, um, you'll have your chance for your voice to be heard and to be part of the conversation if you want to.
0: So tell us a little bit more about those interactive workshops. What are they going to look like?
1: Yeah, so I'm just uh, looking at my master schedule here. So we have two main networking sessions uh, spread a little bit for different time zones. One is by professional specialty. So for this interactive networking session, our hope is that people who work in similar specialties, so whether that be as physicians or allied health professionals or vocal coaches or educators, that they can come together to talk about the work that they do and to network. So again, in terms of the listeners today, whether you're a a voice teacher, you can come together and talk with other vocal teachers as well as Uh, instrumental teachers, dance teachers, because there's so much we can learn through different disciplines there. And then the second networking session is actually by performing that discipline. Again, this comes back to the mission that we're trying to achieve here of bringing people with different professional specialties together. So for that one, we also have a voice special breakout room. So that will mean that it can, again, be the uh, voice teachers, the EMT specialists that might perform surgery or assess vocal folds or psychologists that work with vocal disorders kind of everyone that's involved in voice care can be in the same room to talk and have a conversation there. So they're the main very interactive networking sessions, but there's a few other bits here and there with you know Q A's and things like that as well.
0: What sort of presenters are they going to be? what what names have we got? Is there anyone in particular that you're looking forward to hearing speak?
1: I mean, it's quite overwhelming when I look at it, honestly, it's, um, <laughs> I don't know where to pick people up, but I think one of the exciting things is that PAMA's coming to London in 2024 for our annual symposium, and so we've got some UK big names opening up the programme actually, so we have Dr. Harold Truly, who runs the University College London, performing arts medicine master's program. And she's going to be working and speaking with Claire Cordo, the BATPAM chief exec, and Dr. Finola Ryan, who's the new BATPAM medical director. Um, so in terms of heavy hitters in the UK, talking about the work that's going on there and our hopes for the future, that's a pretty, pretty strong way to start. Another exciting thing that we've got going on is recently there was a report by the European Commissioner. Looking at the health and well being of professional musicians and music creators in the UK. And again, that's a session that's relevant for everyone involved in music, the music industry, uh, educating musicians, and really looking at from every layer from when they start learning their performing art to begin with to when they're, say, university level or conservatory, and then beyond that into the professional world, really looking at what we can do to support them at that point and so we've got the lead authors of that study speaking with us which is is super exciting
0: now I see that you have got yourself booked in for the opening and also the closing so are you pulling an all-nighter for this
1: I am pulling an all-nighter yes I'm actually quite fortunate that I even though I'm, I'm from the UK as you can all tell I live uh, near Toronto right now so my my 24 hours goes from 4am to 4am So I'm kind of seeing it as waking up for an early hospital shift and then going out for a big party at night and just carrying on through the middle. So I think that's kind of easier than if it was nine till nine. That's how I'm going to try and see it.
0: Do you have a lot of practice of doing a a hospital shift and then going out on the booze? (laughs)
1: Well, no, no, I have experience with both of them separately, just maybe not together. Um, the, the Canadian system doesn't have the same European working time directive. So we do have 24 hour shifts here. So at least I've had some practice with that. Wowza.
0: Well, I am a massive grandma and I like to have my slippers on and a cup of tea by 8pm. So I'm the complete opposite. But if we do so happen to miss a selection of the webinars because of time differences or because, like me, we need bed <laughs> very early, is there a way to catch up on rewatch? Yes.
1: Yeah, so we are going to be recording all the sessions and we'll upload them afterwards. We're not advertising this super broadly because we hope that the interactive part can be emphasized as much as possible when people are awake. But yes, you'll be able to watch it back afterwards for non-members. It will be available for a short period of probably seven to 10 days. And then for members of the organization, it'll be available um, in our archives forever.
0: How can we sign
1: up and get involved? Yeah, so it's very easy. So I think on the notes for this podcast, yeah, you'll share the link, but it's artsmed.org. Artsmed, and then there's a link to the Pamathon Uh, You just input some of your information and it's all free. You'll get sent a Zoom link and the whole 24-hour event will be running on that same Zoom link. So if you need to come in and out, click on the same link. There'll be a password to get in to avoid any waiting room issues. Uh, And yeah, come and join the party.
0: And can you tell us more about PAMA? So you've already mentioned that it stands for the Performing Arts Medicine Association. But what does the organisation itself do outside of creating these events?
1: Yeah. So PAMA itself is an organization comprised of medical professionals, artists, educators, administrators, and we all share the common goal of improving the healthcare of performing artists. And it is an international organization. We have over 24 different countries involved, and we have members in pretty much all of those. And so the main focus of PAMA's year is our symposium that happens every summer. Um, But between that, we have mentorship opportunities for, again, anyone within those professions, um, including educators and voice specialists. The beautiful thing I find with PAMR is that it really feels like a community much more than many other professional organizations. So the membership is at around 500 people, and it's really a tight-knit group of people who... If we get an email from someone, oh, do you know someone that uh, can help me with this or has an idea about this? Or someone emailed me from South Africa, do you know anyone that works with hypermobile artists? So you can connect them with someone else. And it really, we are all working together and there's no sense of kind of competition or anything like that. It's really just how can we come together and bring this and change the world, really. How can we find out more about the membership and where's best for us to keep clued up about the
0: future events coming up?
1: Yeah, so uh, on the website, like I said already, and then uh, the social media page is PAMA S. SOC, um, which I think you'll you'll be sharing as well. And then if you sign up for the PAMA-thon, then you'll also uh, get an option to sign up for regular news updates, even if you don't become a member and they're free, and you'll hear the kind of things that are going on. And we do try to offer... Um, a fair amount of things for free because we recognise there are financial challenges, especially in the world we live in today. Um, but that being said, if you go to our website, you can learn more about membership, and there's different uh, levels of membership depending on your profession. So, for example, if you're a performing artist, um, it's a relatively affordable rate. If you're a student or resident, it's, it's uh, a minimal fee that you'll be paying, and if you tune in to the Pamphilon, you'll also be getting a discount code for membership
0: amazing amazing another reason to to get our seat yeah what does your role entail as the education committee chair
1: so it's a role that i've been fortunate enough to have uh for just over a year now and it's really about getting a greater understanding of the needs of the membership and the needs of those working in performing arts medicine and trying to provide uh educational resources and topics that will help the community moving forward so We typically do a webinar every month or two, Um, and again, for members, all the back listing of those uh, webinars is online. Other things, it's helping with the annual symposium that we have and and really just getting a feel for what people want. Like I said, it's only been a year, so I'm looking for other ways aside from webinars and online content that people might appreciate.
0: You attended the Royal Northern College of Music as a pianist, flautist and percussionist and then studied medicine at Imperial College London. How did those two particular passions come about in your life and what was the thing that fused them together?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. I, I feel so fortunate in the Pamathon work I'm doing that it really feels like all the pieces of me are kind of coming together. So um, as a pretty active, um, energetic child. I was placed in front of a piano to focus my energy. Um, so piano is my, my first love and remains my main uh, instrument of choice. Um, I was never very good at the flutes. Um, I switched to percussion and uh, that seemed to go pretty well. So I played for choirs, I played in orchestras um, and that was really fun growing up. Uh, but I saw that people in the years above me at the Royal Northern College of Music, um, which is an incredible, incredible place. that I feel so privileged to have been able to, to attend. And funnily enough, I, I still work with some of the people who are doing performing arts medicine there now, which is, is a great full circle. But I was seeing that the people a couple of years above me getting into the music industry struggled, right? I know um, most of the listeners here can appreciate how difficult a life is working directly in the performing arts whether you're performing or teaching or uh, whatever you're doing. So I wanted to make sure that the love of music stayed with me. Um, and I, I didn't ever feel like I was going to be a performer and would would thrive in that setting. So I applied for medical school, not really committed, but was excited to go to London and the Imperial College is right next to the Royal Albert Hall and right next to the Royal College of Music. And honestly, that was kind of why I went there. And it was a great experience musically and very fulfilling to be in london but i still just kind of felt this i'm not i'm not a doc that wants to do normal doc things i love my music i love being around musicians um so i actually got on google and typed in uh, and this is a true story looking for music medicine how can i do this i found a clinic in toronto i emailed i said can i come and spend time with you I came and spent three weeks out here with the Musicians' Clinics of Canada, fell in love with it, fell in love with the care that was provided, just felt like home, um, so went back to the UK, finished off my training, broke the news to my loved ones in the UK, and and made it to Canada, and it, it really is uh, a dream come true to be able to do this work.
0: Amazing, and ballsy as well, I'd say, quite ballsy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of those moments in there for sure.
0: Yeah. And you still work with the musicians clinics of Canada, don't you? So without being invasive and, and respecting confidentiality, like what's the
1: most common ailment that you see with the musicians you work with? So commonly on the kind of intake forms that we ask patients to fill out, they will say things like tinnitus or pain in some part of their body embouchure dystonia, vocal dystonia, vocal issues, and they, they're being truthful and they are the issues that they have, but it's, it's interesting that so often when they come in the room and, and one of the things that we really care about the musicians clinics of Canada is listening to their story, listening to what's happened to them, listening to their journey through the education in the performing arts, hearing about the culture in their families, hearing about any traumatical difficult things that they've gone through. And so often, even though there might be something very physical that needs fixing, it's so often either happened or been made worse by something psychological that's been going on or is having a profound impact on the psychological. So for example, someone had a traumatic shoulder injury just because, you know, maybe a motor vehicle accident or something like that but now they can't play their violin at all. And that has profound impacts because we know with performing artists, their identity are closely tied to their ability to perform and to play. A long answer to your question really is that mental health is a huge, huge thing that we address. Um, so most of my work currently is focused on helping people work through some of that stuff and come to terms with where they're at and look to the future to where they hope to go.
0: Considering that then, where do you feel research would benefit from focusing in terms of mental health and the impacts on the musician's body and way they play and their
1: experience in general? Good question. Um, I think there's a lot of great research being done already. There's a lot of uh, research been done to show the rates of anxiety, depression, drug use, alcohol use is so much higher in the music population. But the work that we're doing right now, and that there's obviously a lot more work happening and other important things, but what we're seeing is that there's a lot of misunderstanding happening when musicians seek care, whether that be from their GP, from a specialist. You know, you can have someone that, like I'm working with at the moment, who's a singer and some days are okay, but some days she really can barely produce a sound and she's terrified more than more than if she were to die, then, that she loses her voice. And so often that isn't understood by care providers. They don't understand how critical that is to a person. So the work that we're doing is to look at what musicians feel is most misunderstood by the medical system, which obviously impacts their mental health. And so our hope is that when we've done this study, that we will be able to produce some educational resources and things for healthcare providers so that when musicians singers dancers whoever it is goes to see those care providers they have a little bit more understanding and so there's not that relentless advocacy and fighting against a brick wall that I think so often performers feel they're facing when they feel like their life is at risk because they can't perform anymore Speaking of research, what's come
0: out of the research that you completed on the impact of medical cannabis on the recovery from playing-related musculoskeletal disorders in musicians, for which you actually won an award, didn't you?
1: I did. I won uh, an award that PAMA runs for young researchers to kind of give them the ability to attend the symposiums, which is is a really uh, great privilege as well. So for those that don't know, so I know it's a mouthful um playing related musculoskeletal disorders in musicians is the term that is used in this area um, to describe injuries and things that affect people's ability to play and so we actually know that musicians have an 84 percent lifetime prevalence of this which is obviously ridiculously high and As I'm sure you know, um, issues with opiates and pain relief being prescribed sometimes a little bit too heavy-handedly with patients or people that are just getting drugs from other places to help manage their pain because they're so desperate to keep performing is a huge issue and there's a lot of risk and a lot of injury and potential death that happens within musicians because of drug use managing their pain right like it's not like they're just choosing to do that one day so they have a great amount of pain they're playing through it they're trying to keep performing because they have to financially emotionally and so in canada we're fortunate enough that medical cannabis is legal and it's something that is prescribed at the musicians clinics of canada um, quite often because the even though it's demonized in a lot of countries the safety profile is actually very very good And it's almost impossible to die from an overdose of of cannabis. There's really no recorded cases compared to opiates, which are very easy to overdose and die on. So we did this study um, looking at over 200 patients and looking at the impact of medical cannabis on the intensity of pain people had, the pain interference, so how much did that affect their ability to play and their overall mental health. And we found that in all areas it improved but to also improve for the people that weren't on cannabis as well. So it shows the other things that we do in the clinic make a difference, like the talking therapy and those types of things. But the the one that cannabis did make a significant difference to um, was in pain intensity. So it really did lessen the intensity of that pain. What's going to come from this or what do you hope comes from this in terms
0: of the whole picture for performing artists?
1: Well, I think, In Canada, it helps inform people so they have a choice. So when patients, and that's ultimately what we want to do, so when patients come in pain, we say, look, this is the evidence that we have for cannabis. There are other alternatives we can try, but here's the evidence, it's your choice. And I think providing them with that is so important to empower them. I think further afield, this study isn't going to change the rules, for example, in the UK about medical cannabis, But I hope that it kind of adds to the mounting evidence that medical cannabis is not this evil demon that has no benefit and that there are other choices to the harder medications that are typically prescribed that can have really profoundly terrible impacts on musicians.
0: Considering all this experience then, what important change would you like to see be made with regards to the improvement of healthcare of performing artists? I think
1: the main thing that would benefit performing artists is a greater understanding of their issues and their issues to be taken more seriously and to achieve that every level and member of the team has to be involved so it's about finding ways to build conversation discussion with everyone in the team so for example if a patient has if a non-musician patient has cancer they have Or, you know, the chemo specialists, the radiation therapists, the surgeons, the nurses, the psychologists, they have everyone in a room that talks and comes with the best plan. And my dream would be that we can have that same thing for musicians. So it would be their teacher, maybe the head of the school that they're at and a physician and the OT and the psychotherapist or psychiatrist or whoever may be on there from the mental health side and actually be able to talk about things because even if you have the best person as one of the members of the team, if the other people aren't involved, change is really limited.
0: Yeah, really in favour of that multidisciplinary team and network. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of that multidisciplinary team, you've got a couple of panel discussions at the Pamathon. So can you tell us about those and how we're going
1: to get in on the discussion? Absolutely. So one that's really important for us to highlight to everyone today is a panel called Keep On Singing, Organisations Involved in Vocal Care for Performing Artists. So this will be hosted by PAMA's past president, Dr Lucinda Halstad, and she will share what PAMA is doing in terms of uh, the health of vocalists. Then we've got the Voice Foundation, represented as well, the Collegia Medicorum Theatre, and finally the British Voice Association. So the hope from that is that we'll have an international discussion to learn what's happening around the world and what we can learn from each other and where we can go forwards. And then the second one um, that I think is really important to highlight, especially uh, for voice teachers, is breaking the cycle of pain and anguish, keeping the educational safe space safe for performing arts students. And so it would be really great if those listening would like to join and participate in those sessions and and ask questions and promote conversation about the experiences that you've all had in the educational setting or working with vocalists to try and help, help move us all forward and give the best care we can to performing artists.
0: We look forward to those and listeners, all of that information about where you can join, that will all be in the show notes. So head over to there and you can book your seats and and come and join. Dr. Kat Cottrell, it's been such a pleasure getting to chat with you today, but where can we find out more about you and the work that you're doing there in Canada? Yeah,
1: so you can check out our website, which is musiciansclinicsofcanada.com and we update it with a lot of resources and it doesn't even have to be people who are patients we have lots of articles and things that can be useful and we make those free access to everybody because we all just want to work together
0: thank you so much and good luck for the pamathon especially you pulling that all-nighter thank you send me coffee if you like <laughs> <laughs> if you're enjoying the singing teachers talk podcast And who are we kidding? Of course you are. Share the love by giving us a five star rating and leaving a comment. Just head to the Singing Teachers Talk main page on the Apple Podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click write a review.